0: Make an impact on your interactive marketing
1: through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. AdTech Connect, your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host, Welcome, everyone. This is Susan Pratt, the AdTech Chair, and I'm glad you're here today with AdTech Connect. I uh, have three guests on the show today. Barbara Call, the founder and CEO of WebMama Incorporated, also an AdTech Advisory Board member. Barry Stamos, the Chief Strategist with Inbox Marketing. And James McGregor, the founding partner of Black Ink China and the author of a new and fabulous book called One Billion Customers, Lessons from the Front Lines of Doing Business in China. Barbara, Barry, and James are all speakers at the upcoming AdTech San Francisco, April 26th through 28th. If you can't make our San Francisco show, we'll be all over the world this year, in Chicago in July, in London in September, in New York in November, in China, back to China in November again, and adding Sydney in December. We're also doing a 10-city tour of one-day ad techs called the Impact Series in February through April coming to a city near you, Seattle, L.A., Phoenix, Denver, Dallas, Atlanta, Miami, Boston, Cincinnati, and Toronto. So if AdTech is not in your backyard by now, you're living in the wrong place. Let's get to somebody who lives in my front yard, close by me, Barbara Call. I have her on the line. Barbara, good morning. Good morning, Susan. How are you? I'm doing fine this morning. Fantastic. Well, it's my pleasure to have you on the show. You know, you always give me, as an advisor to ad tech, an earful every time I'm planning a show, and uh, it's that earful of great information that I rely on to help me program so much of our search marketing tracks. And every session, or every ad tech, we have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different search sessions. So there's a lot to cover in that industry, and that's your expertise. I want to ask you a lot of questions about that, but first I want to hear just a little bit about what WebMama does so everyone can understand where you're coming from.
0: Well, WebMama is a uh, focused, specialized advertising agency. We do search engine marketing. I like to say sometimes that we do search plus engine marketing advertising for clients because search has expanded into so many other areas, which is why, Susan, you just said that we can have panels on, we can have five, six, seven, eight, nine panels that add tech on search because it really is a lot more than just advertising on um, text-based ads on Google now. So we we have clients like Hewlett-Packard and WebEx and VeriSign, and we help them make sure that, uh, I like the casual way to say it is, when you search on the web, I make sure my clients show up in your face.
1: Got it. Yeah, it's important, <laughs> isn't it? And now there's SEM and there's SEO. What does WebMama do? Well,
0: SEM is, the, is everything. So search engine marketing is the, the, the term for doing anything, uh, any advertising on search engines, whether that be optimizing your website to show up um, in the natural results mm-hmm. or it means optimizing advertising campaigns um, and optimizing the creatives to show up in the paid part of search
1: results. Mm-hmm. So we do everything. So from a percentage of paid versus SEO, the the natural search, paid versus natural, what percentage does your typical customer allocate to each of those two things? And what kind of spends are you seeing, kind of high-end and low-end, from marketers in this space? Well, that's actually a
0: really interesting question. I'd like to answer it kind of two ways um, with some background, which is... Uh, when you do search um, and come up with some results, you know, like Yahoo! results in front of you, how many people actually click on ads and how many people click on the natural results? Well, to be honest, Susan, most people don't know the difference. Right. And most people click on the first result, which, tends, which is an ad. On very, um, you know, I'd say, I don't know, 90% of the time, the first result is an ad. Mm-hmm. And uh, people click on it. So it's a significant number of people who either don't understand it's an ad or what I'd like to think is that the ad is very relevant to what they're searching for. Sure, they got what they wanted. Absolutely, and especially yep. on Yahoo, that's very true because it's all editorial-based. It has to be relevant. Mm-hmm. So so that's one way to look at it um, as to how many people are actually clicking. So if you look at the last study by iProspect, they said 60% of people click on the organic or natural listing. Okay. Which, which amazes people. Everybody goes, whoa, 50% click on the ads." So if you look at it in that way, then the amount of money... That people spend on optimizing their websites in order to show or get, show up organically is about 10 percent compared to what people pay to show up in the paid advertising areas.
1: That's what advertisers spend. So wait a minute, go back. So 10 percent. So 90 percent of the money is spent on natural search, and 10 percent on other other way around. The other way around. Which is actually unintuitive because the problem, it's unintuitive because you think
0: people would spend, spend, spend with companies like mine to try and figure out how to rank naturally. Right. But the trick is it's hard to measure the natural stuff. You can measure paid. You know exactly Uh how much you're getting for your money. Interesting. And I think that's a really important thing. It's also a media buy, which means that the advertising agencies, traditional ones, feel more comfortable with it. They don't really know much about source code and optimization and database
1: algorithms and, you know, stuff like that. Well, also, agencies don't have access to the customer's website. They're not going to get in there and monkey around with that, right? I mean, there, you have yeah, to kind of hire an expert an, yeah, to do they it. Yeah, they're going to be
0: talking to a different division as well where, where the, my, um, the advertising budget comes out of the branding or the Marcom budget or the lead generation budget. Well, the optimization budget tends to come out of web development. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to merge. <laughs> And there's a merger going on here that needs to happen. Yeah. And, and, but we do have to keep one thing in mind is you and I are talking about natural and organic as if it's free. And currently it is free on Google to, to end up in rankings. Now it's not completely free because you've got to pay somebody like me right. to figure out how to do it and yep. make it a long-term strategy like I do for people like Hewlett-Packard and Bill Hunt does for people like IBM. But Yahoo's not free. Yahoo, you actually can pay your way into the database. So there are ways to do it with And money. that's called paid inclusion, right? It's called paid inclusion, and yeah. it's a wonderful thing for advertisers, mm-hmm. which means that you can pay your way into their free results. Which Is, means is that Yahoo the only place you can do paid inclusion, or can
1: you do it on MSN too?
0: I don't think you can do it on MSN. MSN is in such flux right now because of their new products that are coming out yeah. that, that it's not quite clear exactly what they're going to offer in the end. Okay. Well,
1: but so Google, you can't do it. So going back to the natural, you know, natural search or optimization of your yep. website, yep. Um, how much should us, a medium-sized B2B marketer be spending to do that? And I know that's such a tough question <laughs> to answer, but, you know, maybe you, know, you have some yeah, yeah, small I have. to medium-sized com- companies in that market. You, you know, let's take HP out. You do WebEx. You do Intuit. Intuit's probably a lot bigger, but a WebEx or a Salesforce, their sites aren't huge, right? So what do companies like that have to spend to get really good natural or organic optimization? Well, there are there are two stages to this. The first okay.
0: stage is the initial review of the website as it exists today, because very rarely will you get your hands on a brand-new site. Mm-hmm. Um, these are sites that have evolved and been there for a while. You have to go in and take a look at it. You have to figure out if there are barriers to actually having them show up in the results, look at where they are today. So you do an audit. You do a review. Now, that audit um, can cost anywhere for a medium company 10000 to $15,000, mm-hmm. and part of that audit would be figuring out what keywords you should be optimizing your website for. Mm-hmm. You have to make a decision. You have to say, "Okay, it's I'm going more to." More than an audit. audit, it's a plan for change. Yeah,
1: it's a, okay. it's also a um, what's wrong, <laughs> what's yeah. wrong, and what do you need to do to make it right? And what are the things that you find when you do an audit? What are the top three mistakes that people are making that are pretty easy? What, what are the easy wins? What's an easy fix?
0: Yeah. Um, there's a thing on the homepage called the title tag. Mm -hmm. And everybody can find it by opening up a website in their browser and looking way up high on the browser in the blue bar. It's always a blue bar. I don't know why. And that's the title tag. And that tag shows up when someone searches for something and your homepage comes up as a result. That thing in bold is the title tag. And also called a meta tag. Is that correct? Well, yeah, it's part of the metadata. Yeah. So there's a title tag and there's a meta description tag. And those are both critical that you actually use with keywords in it. Mm -hmm. So if your title tag says, welcome to salesforce.com for example then you're getting indexed under the word welcome mm-hmm. which doesn't do you a lot of good if you no want good at put, <laughs> it's, yeah, it at all unless well, if you, you don't wanted add. to put salesforce.com <laughs> delivers you know crm solutions there you yeah. just put your keyword into the top title tag got it
1: so, so the title that's tags are the number biggest, one
0: easiest fix okay and then um, secondly one of the the i don't know if this is easy or not but if you don't have any content text based content on your homepage Everything's done in flash. Everything's done in images,
1: like Since, the AdTech website, for example, which you like yell at Ad us Tech about website. every six months. <laughs> the AdTech website has no text on it, <laughs> <laughs> but it has some really cute video that you're probably in. It's it's very cool. Yeah, <laughs> put it that way. Well, cool doesn't cut it in a, in crap uh, in search, in search results. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways,
0: so well, how do we fix that? Um, you take away some of the flash and you put in place of it some images, some um, text. And actually, it's not that hard to fix. Um, it does take, and this is this is the hard part, it takes education of all the people involved in developing a website. Yeah. See, that's the, the real hard part and what people pay me to do, and that's why it's over $10,000, is the actual bringing the team together to help make these decisions. Yeah. So the IT people don't want to give up the control of the architecture and how the site's actually built. Right. And the product managers all want certain keywords, and the graphics designers all want... Um, flash or, or cool layouts. And then the, the biggest problem, actually, to be honest, is the CEO who goes in every morning and searches for something and expects to show up number one. Right. And, and that's, that number one, you know, what they're searching for doesn't tend to be the thing that converts to turn into sales. Mm-hmm. So op- good optimization firms pull that team together. Got it. If you don't want that team pulled together and one person within your company is willing to dictate to the agency what needs to happen... That's a cheap project, but that doesn't cost as much. But you know what? It's not effective either. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be institutionalized. Right. So Mm -hmm. adding textual content to your homepage Mm -hmm. that has keywords in it and changing your
1: title tag, those are the two easy wins. Okay. So let me move on and ask you. I know I asked for three, but I'm going to stick with two for now because people can come hear you speak at AdTech. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and actually, I will be uh, talking about this at AdTech pretty seriously. So Right, that's right. Well, th- you know what? That's a fantastic time to give you a little plug for your session. Sure. So you're doing an organic SEO fireside chat, <laughs> and uh, you're doing that with Bruce Clay, who is right, another also one of the old-timers in the business. Old-timer, f- similar, you know, t- has forgotten more than any of us will ever know, just like you, and <laughs> you're going to go over some of the major topics uh, right, in this category, like removing site indexing barriers, the importance of source code components, the structure of tagging, how to optimize your site to include the right keywords, and things like site redesign issues uh, around redirects and error pages. This is, this is the stuff you're going to start with, but what you're really doing with Bruce is saying, bring me your questions, lay them on me. You're walking in ready to answer anything and any question that anyone can come up with about their specific business needs, Right.
0: Right, and I, I think this is important is because people are going to say, oh, they're giving it all away. Why would Bruce and Barbara stand up there and give all this away? Well, it's it's it takes um, – you can learn the basics. You could learn the basics from reading Google's webmaster pages. There's some pretty good stuff there. Okay. But in order to tackle a full project, bring the team together like I just mentioned, and tackle a website that's multiple pages but also multiple languages in different countries, um, different structures – like, well, if you take Hewlett-Packard's website, you're talking about one of the biggest sites in the world. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, just coordinating optimization there, there's another piece to the payment here. So there's the upfront payment, and then there's a monthly payment, and that's a maintenance, maintenance roller. You could call it a retainer in order to keep someone you know, keep the optimization at the front of the, the uh, functions um, on a list of a marketing manager says, "Oh, I need to pay attention to this." Mm-hmm. So optimization on a monthly basis, it'll cost you money to just run in and make recommendations and then not stick around to see if they're implemented or if they're successful or if they need fine-tuning. Well, you've you got to stick with your optimization firm. You can't, just, you
1: can't let them run away. <laughs> it's not a one-hit wonder. It's, it you is don't come not in and wave your magic Actually, wand. that line's
0: written right into my proposals. Yeah. This is not a one-hit thing. This is a, this is a continuous thing.
1: Well, we have about five minutes left, and I have so many things I want to ask you. <laughs> I want to bring you back on the show because I want to get your opinions about what's going on with Google, Yahoo, MSN, and then the second-tier search engines and find out what you think their strengths and weaknesses are. Okay. And um, what, you touched on something about um, the localization of an international website, and I know that you have been a, a massive proponent about the Spanish-speaking marketplace and search, the intersection of um, multicultural and search engine marketing. Correct. So this is your soapbox. You, why don't you go on your normal, I'll tell you what, normally your rants are about ten minutes long on this. I'm giving you a minute and a half, and tell, tell the world your opinion about this. Okay, my
0: opinion is that if 15% of this country speaks Spanish first, which is true, 15% of this country has Spanish as their primary language, then they are a target market for any kind of advertising, but specifically online advertising because they're coming online. Do they have the buying power of the quote-unquote English group in America? No, not yet, but they will because everybody else is climbing that speed. So if you look at the Internet, Usage in the Hispanic marketplace is just America. Forget Latin America is huge as well. But if we just take the Hispanic marketplace here, um, we're looking at a buying power that's maybe, I don't know, three years behind or Internet usage that's three years behind. So what's going to happen three years from now? Mm -hmm. So get in now, test things now, learn things now, and the search volume will come because these people are coming online. So I I have a – you know, it's very rare that you get a chance to go to a client and say, I see an opportunity that's going to make money for you 3 years from now. How about we start working on it now? Mhm. I mean, how many times do you get to do that in advertising? Right. So, that's 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 kind of my pitch. I think it's a huge opportunity. I think people should get involved, certainly from a search point of view, get your website in Spanish, in some form of Spanish, which by the way is a 10-minute, you know, 2-hour
1: discussion as to which Spanish to use, but start selling into that marketplace. Well, and, and due to all your pushing about getting onto this bandwagon, um, at AdTech San Francisco, we have two complete sessions on multicultural marketing, and we have Mateus de Tezanos, the president of LiveDoor, uh, which is, you know, the largest, uh, publisher in the Latin American countries coming up to visit us. We have Gaston Taratua, the president of IMS, which is Internet Media Services, and we have Ignacio Hernandez Jr., the CEO of iHispanic Marketing Group, I love his email. It's Nacho at Hispanic dot com. He's a leading yeah. Nacho is really the leader
0: in in search in search uh, Hispanic, you know, reaching Latin, the Hispanic community in America. Yep. And he, he's the one that I go on the bandwagon with. Oh, on great! The, <laughs> not the
1: bandwagon, Perfect. but we go out and pitch this together. And so. so we've got them coming as well. So I'm sure you'll be in the audience at that session. I will definitely be in the audience. So I have another question to ask. Um, You recently had an interesting party where you had, I don't know, a hundred different cheeses and champagnes and you had a big party. So tell the listeners a little bit about your party, but we want to know what your favorite cheese was out of that hundred and what your your most favorite champagne was so we can go consume them. Oh, champagne, champagne and cheese and recommendations. The
0: champagne one is really hard. I, won't, I can't name one because there's just a certain kind that I like, which is the pink champagne. So they're mm-hmm. kind of in between. They're almost golden pink. It's mm-hmm. hard to describe. But cheese, oh, St. Andre. St. Andre, you André. like that the best. Yeah, just total cream-filled. It's like a brie but worse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> worse than a brie sounds good to me. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's a triple cream. I love it. And tell me also... Um, you've taken some interesting trips this year. You're a Canadian, and I think that makes you a little bit of a globe trotter. (laughs) What has been the single most interesting trip that you've taken this year?
0: Oh, well, that one's easy. Uh, We went kayaking off the coast of La Paz, Mexico, um, uh, on a desert island where we stayed four nights in tents on the beach. So it was an incredible trip,
1: just incredible. You're a camping girl. How did you do no, with all your arms no, on all I that hadn't kayak? No, I have not been
0: camping since I was
1: 12 years old. This was a huge leap of faith that I could <laughs> actually handle this, but I, I, it was wonderful. I love it. Well, Barbara, it's been so fun to have you share your rants, your wisdom, and your favorite cheeses with us today. <laughs> and uh, Thanks, I'd love Susan. to have you come back on and, and get, give us an update on your point of view on what's happening with all these crazy search companies. Will you do that for me? I would love to. All right, and thank right. you again. Come back soon and have a great day. All right, Susan. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you. That was <laughs> that was Barbara Call, the founder and CEO of Web Mama Incorporated. We're going to take a quick break and come back to talk to Barry Stamos, the chief strategist with Inbox.
2: Turning your future into a fortune.
3: 60 free advertising trial on the best of the web directory. That's BOTW.org, the Internet's oldest directory since 1994. We know what you want, and we've got what you need. And hey, if you can get some free online advertising in this world with no strings attached, feel us up. I, I mean, feel free to take advantage of this extraordinary offer. And start your no-risk 60-day free online advertising trial today. Best of the Web. BOTW.org.
2: 3 a.m. traveling
3: to a conference in Oklahoma
2: City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker he types hooker escort hookup into another local search engine's one box search he has a great time that he can't expense truelocal.com two boxes one click great results
1: now back to you're connected now with your host Welcome back, everyone. It's Susan Bratton, the chair of AdTech, and I have on the line Barry Stamos, the chief strategist with Inbox Marketing Incorporated. Barry, good morning.
4: Good morning, Susan.
1: How are you today?
4: Doing very well, thank you.
1: Good. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's my pleasure. You're you're kind of my my secret weapon, Barry. I I don't know. We met maybe a year or so ago. You'd done a proposal, a speaker submission for AdTech, and it was so good. It was so on target that I called you and said, I'm lifting this entire thing exactly like it is because I, I couldn't possibly do better. This is, this is perfect. And you've been speaking at AdTech ever since and getting fantastic uh, uh, speaker points and uh, really good feedback. So thanks for coming on the show. I hope that you'll be able to share some of your good knowledge with our audience today.
4: I'm certainly looking forward to it. Good. So
1: <laughs> now, You're the chief strategist with Inbox Marketing. Inbox has a slightly different business model. Can you tell the
4: audience about your company? Yes, so Inbox Marketing is a strategic marketing firm focused on email, on the email channel. And what makes us somewhat unique is that we are technology agnostic. There are uh, more than, by my last count, 80 different uh, technology service providers that help um, uh, today's businesses get email uh, out to their constituents. And so we're a firm... Uh, specializing in helping them optimize their uh, performance metrics, so in terms of opens, clicks, and ultimately conversions. So the 80 service bureaus, these are companies like Mail, DoubleClick, Digital Impact, responses, right? Responses, email iPost, you name it, exactly. Post, uh, exact Target. that's who we use it at, at AdTech. Exactly, many of whom are our, our partners.
1: And, and so how come there's still 80, Barry? What the hell is going on with this? Where is the <laughs> consolidation?
4: well you know the the reality is that of the of the eighty service providers that are in the marketplace today yes. um, as as marketers' needs evolve, uh, the universe of options are being narrowed down to the few that really fully meet those needs um, we're seeing some some um, trends that are, are really important to today's marketers, um, and, and I'll, I'm sure, touch on a few during our interview okay. today, but they are uh, integration, automation, and optimization. And of the firms that are actually um, providing those types of capabilities, um, it, it's really narrowed it down to a short list. And what's going to happen with all those other little companies? Are they going to be swallowed by the big guys this year, next year? When is it? It's, it's got to happen, Right. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. It is, it is happening. It's happening slowly, though. Um, uh, the, the reality is such that many email marketers are still buying technology based on price. And so uh, they look for um, a provider that will help them most inexpensively get an email out the door. Um, uh, And and quite frankly, they don't have an interest in taking advantage of some of the more advanced capabilities that help them to, you know, integrate their marketing programs, automate a lot of their, um, you know, uh, a lot, lot of the functions required to, to, to get those campaigns out the door and to optimize the results from those programs. And so for those folks that are just looking for those simple tools, there are many options out there that they can take advantage of, and so long as they keep um, pushing money out to those folks, they'll, they'll still survive and have a healthy business. So do you call that kind of low-end, cheapo market the batcher blasters? Yeah, I, I consider that to be um, low-value broadcast uh, marketing, where, right. where organizations are typically sending an email or a few emails out per week to their yep. entire list with no segmentation. Got it. Got it. And then I, I love this. Did you, do, you, do
1: you remember the lawyer in Seinfeld, Jackie Childs?
4: Every time he would. Do you remember him? Did you ever watch Seinfeld? I, you know, I, 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 I wasn't a religious follower. Uh, no. I, I did well, catch a few he episodes. A,
1: he was this funny character, and he always said things in threes. It was, uh, you know, everything was this, this, and this. And so when you were talking about the trends in email, you reminded me of Jackie Childs because it's going to have integration, autom- automation, and optimization. And so I like <laughs> that you boiled it down into those three trends. Um, tell us a little bit more about them. Sure. So, and you don't uh, have to do it in a Jackie Childs voice
4: since you don't know. Very well. So uh, I, I believe that most uh, marketers are having difficulty integrating the email channel within their marketing mix. We all talk about multi-channel marketing and the importance of integrated marketing programs, but uh, when we look to what happens on a, on a day-to-day, very few marketers, for example, are uh, including email with their postal direct mail programs. Uh, so, for uh, for example, if they are promoting an event oh. in the B2B world or or uh, sending out catalogs in the B2C, uh, very few are, are sending emails in advance to... Um, excite people for that direct mail drop and or to follow up on that direct mail drop with a series of emails so that people can drive uh, down further and, and complete the experience. And so, uh, you know, for those organizations that are doing those things, they're, they're, they're seeing just tremendous results. Um, Who's doing that with you? Uh, well, well, currently we're, we're working with many um, uh, advertising agencies that are starting to do more of that, but the market as a whole has just not been, been, been very good at doing, doing that. And what we're seeing um, as kind of a, an, an industry trend are more and more email service providers beginning to partner with print-on-demand companies. And I, I, I see that as uh, a trend that we're all going to be uh, more exposed to over the course of the next year. And and the, and and the following years ahead. So, uh, like Nimblefish, they're a print-on-demand, right? Correct.
1: And correct. so, how? Give me, um, give me the little story about how, if I were a marketer, I would do a Nimblefish custom printing postal push
4: with an email chaser. <laughs> sure. Well, I'll give you a, a simple example, which uh, which I hope. Um, we're going to be doing more with uh, towards the end of the ad tech. Uh, yay! Yay is right. So, <laughs> so, so for example, if we are going to promote an event, uh, we would launch a a series of emails uh, to uh, generate um, some awareness uh, regarding the the event. Save the date, if you will. As the event grows closer, there would be a, a direct mail drop or two, uh, with, a, with a customized landing page. And if people were not following, um, uh, if people were not um, responding to the direct mail piece, uh, then there'd be a series of emails focused on the non-respondents. If they did, in fact, respond but did not register, there would be a series of emails focused on uh, that segment. So so you can see quickly how you can get into some de- uh, decision trees, some predictive modeling, mm-hmm. um, and you don't even know, need to go that, that advanced. We've, we've seen in the market uh simply, simply dropping an email before and after a postal uh, mailing can can do wonders to increase uh, response responses and ultimately conversions. I think it 's important that uh, marketers um, look at things more holistically and think through how they can almost create kind of a surround sound effect I like it uh, and, and and begin to test multiple the use of multiple channels and equally if not more important. The, the frequency and the number of touches across multiple channels, and I think that uh, they'll find very quickly that the uh, incremental, you know, effort, you know, time, money, resources required uh, will very quickly make make up uh, make well. Uh, they'll very quickly realize a much more significant return on their investment. And yeah. in terms of uh, automation, uh, so so many marketers today are are doing what what many in the industry kind of refer to as batch and blast, right? right we queue up a mailing and we send it to our entire distribution list we know we should be doing more segmented marketing uh, david daniels from jupiter research had has done some terrific research in this area um, to quantify the value of rele- relevancy and its effect, or its, its, its direct impact on ROI. And what uh, uh, Jupiter has concluded is that campaigns that are, are more relevant, and of course you become more relevant by engaging in better targeting, segmentation, you know, more, better timing in terms of where someone is in the, in the, in the life cycle of the relationship, um, that, that relevancy on average increases revenue. Uh, by nine times, and that it's 18 times more profitable. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, that. That's extremely compelling, and, 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 and the closer you can get to those numbers, clearly, the better. So, now, Barry, so let take... me ask you a question about that. Yeah, where
1: can the listeners get that Jupiter research? Do they get it? Can they email you? Do they get it on the Jup
4: site? Where do we get it? Yeah, So there's there's two places that I'm aware of where you can get the the full report, um, and the report uh, details not only you know the challenges that many uh, marketers are facing, but but how many organizations are successfully overcoming those. Challenges. Uh, Jupiter Research, I believe, does offer the report. Um, I believe it's at a fee. Uh, I know you can download the report for free on uh, responses. dot com, and that's, uh, that's response and it's it's s y s r e
1: s p o n s y s. dot com. Correct. Great. So they're offering that up. Cool. We're going to go check that out. That sounds good. And you're speaking at. At Tech San Francisco, and we have you on a session that you're moderating called Email Marketing, the Cinderella Story, which is transforming your ugly duckling email campaigns into lovely swans. And I think you have a group of lovely swans on your panel. Is that right?
4: I certainly do. I'm joined by three (laughs) beautiful ladies. You're surrounding (laughs)
1: yourself with hot chicks, Barry. I like this because I have a feeling. Now, you're, you're not married, right? I am not. And you're on the road all the time, and you work like a maniac. I'm thinking maybe you don't have a girlfriend. Do you have one right now?
4: You know what? I currently do not.
1: That's what I thought. So I was very impressed. I know you're so busy and you're like you're a workaholic. And so I was really impressed that you have lined up three, I'm sure, unbelievably.
4: I know two of them are unbelievably attractive. I'm sure they all are. So that was very smart of you. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not just beautiful, but they're incredibly intelligent. I you, it's, it's wonderful to work with, with people who are just terrific people you're so lucky and they're wonderful. I, am. I really am. <laughs> yeah, so 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 I'm I'm really excited for the session <clears throat> what we're going to be <clears throat> excuse me I got you all choked up there, teasing you, didn't I? You, you, certainly, Sorry about did. That. you, you certainly did. You certainly did. You even you even did the unthinkable. I'm I'm slightly embarrassed. If people could see me, my face is red. Oh. But it, but, it, but, it, but it's all good. So, <laughs> so so during the session, what we're going to do is we're going to jump in and share 60 best practices in 60 minutes, <clears throat> and we're really going to be focusing more on kind of tactics. What are those meaty takeaways that people can benefit from? You know, the second they get back into the office after the conference, implement and see a direct impact. In terms of an improvement in their performance metrics, and so um, on. The on the panel uh, that's joining me are uh, the following: I have I have uh, the the director of marketing from AdTech. We've done some terrific things over the last six months to sure have transform uh, AdTech's program, and we've we've just experienced some tremendous results. And so to reveal uh, those gems uh, uh, for everyone to benefit, uh, and, and I, I really believe that that there are some takeaways that. Really span across all sectors, markets, industries. We're also going to be um, uh, having um, um, uh, Dre Madden from StubHub who's going to be sharing with us how uh, they've just experienced explosive growth, and that's primarily driven through their email channel. They've been selling more tickets online than ever before, and uh, really just some some tre- tremendous insights on on some very simple things that they did that had a big impact and that's a general theme that uh, I'm certainly seeing across all conferences I don't know about you Susan but that, that there are some very small changes that one can a marketer can make to their current program that ultimately have kind of a ripple effect and, and generate some real big big changes it kind of reminds me of the tipping point um, uh, book but uh, and then and then finally philosophy who is a, a brand that I, I love and I I know I'm not alone. Uh, the, the cosmetics company, um, who, wonderfully creative, and yeah, the, the stuff they, smells great. Oh yeah, they, well their their products are not only phenomenal, but so are the every person behind the brand, and uh, they've been just remarkably successful with their email program. Um, uh, they are, in fact, a Cinderella story started from almost nothing, and and literally uh, over the years have. Their email program has been so successful that it's almost been doubling their e-commerce revenue year year over year. So uh, that's just a, a wonderful story that that we, uh, wonder, uh, well, three wonderful stories really that we look forward to sharing with everybody at, at AdTech San Francisco this year. Well, that's good, and um, you're going to show case studies and the tweaks that they made out of the sixty tips, right? That so is it's exactly be tied right. Back to the 60 tips. That's exactly right. And so uh, one of the things that that I see every day, Susan, and I'm I'm, I'm constantly. Uh, parachuting in and, and looking at um, companies' email programs, I think I've, I must have reviewed more than uh, 70 last year uh, alone, uh, is that most uh, email marketers uh, uh, really uh, haven't taken the time to test what works and what doesn't um, uh, when using the email channel, uh, and specifically, you know what subject lines will ultimately get the highest open rights, um, what creative should be used and and how can that be used effectively? what headlines, subheadlines, calls to actions, and ultimately what combination of factors and variables of those factors will will lead to the greatest results and so um, I see common mistakes made on almost every email that I see in the marketplace today, and so we're going to be addressing those so that we can you know together raise the bar so that all marketers can adopt these best practices, see an immediate improvement in their campaigns and and hopefully we can really raise kind of the the standard in terms of um, you know what? 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 What makes up an effective email marketing campaign or program?
1: It would be nice if we could clone you, Barry. I think we're going to have to send you to Korea soon because if you have <laughs> reviewed seventy website cam- or seventy email campaigns and you can find all the flaws, we need we need more of you. <laughs>
4: well, and, and and that's exactly what we're going to be doing at AdTech. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I really believe it's all a, a simple matter of education. The marketers that I meet with regularly are very smart people. They just haven't invested uh, the time or don't have the resources to re- really invest in becoming experts in email marketing, and and the answers are there.
1: Well, you're also doing uh, the Impact Series. You're going out on 10 cities, going to our 10-City Roadshow, and doing all of the Impact uh, Cities, right? I certainly am. Good. And
4: what are you going to be sharing when you do that? I'm I'm, going to be diving into uh, not just uh, best practices for or email, um, so, so uh, you know, how, how to write an effective subject line and, and, and tips and tricks that, you know, will immediately impact, um, you know, better results uh, or create better results. I'm also going to be jumping into, you know, where and when email is best utilized uh, within um, kind of the the, 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 uh, the relationship that, that uh, businesses have with their constituents. So, for example, how can email be used to significantly reduce shopping cart abandonment? Um, how can email be used to, um, uh, to st- statistically test and, and, and validate consumer response to uh, pricing strategies and uh, and uh, product offerings and, and replenishment uh, models and continuity programs uh, mm-hmm. so that uh, marketers can gain rich insights through market research using the email channel very cost effectively and then apply those um well, apply those kind of proven uh, insights to all of their other marketing programs. So so we're going to be kind of branching out and, and talking about a little bit more than just best practices uh, during the AdTech Impact events, which are uh, cities all across the country. Yeah,
1: man, ten of them. I know. And actually all across North America.
4: <laughs> it's going to be a so You're going to
1: be, a, gonna be at AdTech Ad San Francisco. You're going to be in the ten-city tour of Impact. You have an article on ClickZ, Right. Yeah,
4: I used to be a ClickSee columnist. And, are you uh, still or are you too busy? You know what, I, I, actually, I actually stopped writing and it's not that I don't love uh, my involvement. It was, it was simply I was becoming overwhelmed with responses. I'm one that can't, uh, I can't not respond oh, to yes. email. And yep. so after every article, I'd be flooded with hundreds of inquiries, and, of course, I, I couldn't let any, leave anyone hanging. Yep. Um, and so it was just too much of a responsibility. And so I find that with the conferences, I, I can, I can you know, reach an addressable market and, and really focus on the folks that are attending. And and, and, uh, you know, and, and my articles will be, will be pouring, pouring out this year, though, and they'll be, they'll be everywhere. So you're still planning to write. Oh, yeah, I'm really committed to helping everyone realize the the true value of the email channel. And you're authoring a book. I am, I am. Wow,
1: I, I, Barry, I don't know how you're getting all this done, man.
4: I don't sleep, and I, and, 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 and like you said, I, I don't have a girlfriend currently. Oh. So. Well, this is an
1: opportunity for all of our female listeners to co- to find out what a fabulous, smart, and lovely person you
4: are. So aren't, aren't you never sweet. know thank where you're. it's going to happen. Well, thank you, Susan. I, I do appreciate those <laughs> inquiries.
1: This is now the uh, Susan Bratton matchmaking connect. It's it's ad tech Connect in a whole new way. Exactly.
4: It's <laughs> taken on an entirely new definition.
1: <laughs> Whatever it takes, Barry. So, tell me about the CMO roadmap. Your new book.
4: Uh, yeah. So, so the the book basically uh, incorporates the, the full story. You know, on on uh, interviews like this on on the radio and and uh, at conferences. You know, uh, I'm always uh, pressed for for time, and so there's never truly enough time to tell the full story uh, in terms of how. Marketers really, from start to finish, can fully embrace the email channel and, and do all of the things that you know. I often speak about that many others are writing about in the industry, um, and so I think I think the story needs to be told um, and, and supported, substantiated with real data, real case studies. Um, you know, and 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 uh, I really look forward to bringing. You know, a book like that that has not not just the research and, and the case studies and what's worked for others, but you know, actionable insights. I mean, those tactical kind of takeaways that people can kind of implement each chapter. You know, as they progress through the book and and realize some 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 true value. So, uh, yeah, that that book's going to be uh, likely coming out towards the end of this year, and I'm real excited for for folks to uh, to read it and let me know what they think. And um, I'm sure we're going to have. Uh, a blog site so that uh, you know others can share their insights, and I'm hoping that it it really opens up uh, some some um, you know collaboration, knowledge sharing, so that everyone in the industry starts contributing, so that we all together can 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 take things to the next level. It's 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 very exciting. So we're going to create the Stamospedia of email marketing, huh? Ah, uh, no, no, no. I don't need the credit. <laughs> I, I really just want the to email it. wiki. I, <laughs> You know, you know, it's 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 interesting Susan. I got into uh I got into email marketing uh, because I truly do believe in in the in in the vision of one-to-one marketing. Um and uh and and what I'm seeing in the and the uh, for profit sector is a l- whole lot of uh, improvement and and yet in the nonprofit area, uh, you know one out of every four dollars that are spent on fundraising you know aren't being effectively utilized and so um, it's just it's just helping marketers be smarter marketers you know better resource utilization, you know better use of limited you know time and money and uh, and and because the email channel is so darn cost effective and it's a direct response media and, and arguably the only mass media where, where you can involve and tr- can, can truly get into one-to-one marketing. Um, it's just so powerful that, um, you know, it's a shame that more organizations haven't, haven't, uh, haven't either, A, fully embraced it or, 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 B, realized the full value.
1: So once you've leveraged all this fine talent to become a multimillionaire and you no, no longer have to work, what are the philanthropies that you're going to support? Where's your soft
4: spot? You know, it, it, that's a great question, and uh, I, 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 really, I really don't know uh, which ones ultimately I'll be working with or, or for, um, you know, with, with whom I, I, I do end up partnering with. I'm hoping that I'm working for, you know, uh, very large organizations that almost have a portfolio of organizations that <clears throat> companies that, mm-hmm. that they are, I'm sorry, organizations, associations that they, that they serve, because I think that's where I'll, I'll add the, the greatest impact. Yeah, so maybe the
1: Omadar Network or United Way or something like that would be a great place for your future
4: skills, huh? Yeah, yeah I think, I think I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping that in teaching, you know, some folks to fish then, that they can, they can teach many others.
1: Now, do you have an iPod, Barry? I certainly do. I would imagine with all the flying you do, you must be listening to some good music. Do you have any, inter- what's your favorite new thing you're listening to that you want us to go hear
4: and sample? Oh, you know, that's that's a that's a great question. I I'm actually a bad one to ask because I always I always um, select the shuffle option. Yeah. I, I like to kind of mix things up and yeah. and and be uh be excited by whatever presents itself each day. So, Got it. I I used it this morning actually. I was on the treadmill uh Good getting a workout in before before the interview and I uh, and, uh, you know, that, that's good and bad. Sometimes when I'm listening to, <clears throat> to the songs, I, I go from, uh, a, you know, a real kind of ambient tune that's, that's fairly uplifting to um, something that's completely mellow, which, which uh, kind of demotivates me yeah, on the, float, on the run. down
1: the treadmill, huh? That's, that's right,
4: that's <laughs> right. I, you know what, though? I, I, I do have to say that um, I'm probably joining a, a late bandwagon, but um, I have really been enjoying listening to the Black Eyed Peas lately.
1: Oh, my God, I know. Aren't they so fun? Now, that's some good music. I think they're hot. I they really are. Do. And Fergie is adorable, and their fashions are fun. They're wonderful, huh? Yeah, no, I, I really like them. I definitely good. do. Well, that's good advice. If Listeners, try the Black Eyed Peas. And Barry Stamos, thank you so much for joining us today. You're a fantastic person a, with a wealth of knowledge. And awesome. uh, we wish you
4: safe travels. Well, Susan, thank you. I think the world of you, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be interviewed today and share some just just share some high level thoughts. Awesome. Have a great day, Bear. All right, you too. Cheers. Take care. All right, we'll be back with our final and fabulous speaker,
1: Jim mcgregor
3: pr web is the pioneer in online press release visibility think beyond search online visibility is what really matters pr web's exclusive online visibility engine delivers your message to your customers and major media outlets get the credibility and attention you deserve think online visibility from pr web pr web the only major newswire service that drives quality measurable traffic to your site
2: what happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling they develop The ad network developed by Super Affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI, exclusive tier one advertisers, highest industry payouts, bonus rewards, and rock sun on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com, the secret to your success. RevenueGateway.com. Your radio target is locked. And you have reached... Striking...
5: What I'm after is pictures of our favorite (laughs) monkey. We've set up a new blog called monkeypics.co.uk and if you find the monkey in any kind of weird positions, like drunk on a floor somewhere, email him over to me. We're going to go for a big New York thing, um, an SES where we try to find... Pictures of the monkey that you want to see. So if you want to see the monkey naked, then we'll have to break into his room or something. If you want to
4: see monkey dancing at Ground Zero, then we'll get
5: him drunk and drag him there. Well, UK. Yeah,
2: maybe maybe you can have some of the good people in in, in our Webmaster Radio forum post some pictures there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Strike Point, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern, only on Webmaster Radio. Now back to...
1: You're connected now with your host. Welcome back, everyone. It's Susan Bratton, the EdTech chair, and I have on the line James McGregor, the founding partner of Black Ink China and the author of One Billion Customers, Lessons Learned from the Front Lines of Doing Business in China. Welcome, Jim. Well, thank you. Good morning. How are you?
5: I'm doing very well. I'm here in uh, Sunny Dan, Minnesota.
1: I wondered where your physical body was today.
5: It moves <laughs> continuously, doesn't it? I'm on the road these days, that's for sure.
1: Well, Jim, damn, man, you got a nice little plug in Time Magazine this
5: week. Yeah, I heard that. I saw they uh, gave me quite a nice write-up. Have you seen it yet? Um, well, I saw one by Bill Powell. It was a very short one. I don't know if that, it was. It was very flattering, though.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's the, so it's the January 30th issue of Time Magazine, the one with Bill Ford on the cover, who, by the way, damn, I'm rooting for him. Sure. It's a, a really nice write-up of your book. It's a, the title of it is Conquering China 101. And the net net of the, in, of the review of the book is, uh, Time Magazine says, our little nugget of wisdom on the China market for those wanting to do business there. Read this book.
5: Ooh, I like that. Yeah, baby.
1: (laughs) You can't get better than that. And you're coming to Keynote AdTech. How great is that?
5: Yeah, I feel like the luckiest woman
1: in the world that I talked you into that.
5: Oh no, AdTech is AdTech is a very impressive organization and conference. I'm glad to be coming.
1: Thank you so much. So, we've got to give everybody a little bit of heads up about you. So, you're coming to Keynet, Keynote, you're going to be speaking to who Jim McGregor is and how you got to do in this book, but let's work back from the book and talk about it. We'll, I mean, really, what, what it is are strategies and tactics for succeeding in China, Right.
5: Yeah, I mean I think I'm lucky when it comes to uh, being a commentator and analyst of China because I I have some ponderous, inscrutable place and I don't believe that. So in my in my book I try to de- just demystify China by Walking the reader into the middle of a, a lot of different businesses and business deals, whether it's Rupert Murdoch in the media, or the building of the telecom system, or even a, a, a smuggler, a, six billion, a smuggler running a six billion dollar smuggling operation, and then I draw lessons from that on on the way place works, and just and finally, in the end, I offer lots of just kind of pithy tips on uh, you know what to do and what not to do.
1: Well, we love pithy tips. Which ones do you think are resonating the most or might resonate the most with the marketers and the agency and the, the agency people and the publishers who come to ad
5: tech? Oh, jeez, I've got about 100 of them in the book, and I don't I have them. you going to make quick me walk over and line. grab the book here to think about it. Yeah. But gen- generally, just number one is don't buy the, the, the shtick. Don't buy the – China's brilliant at middle kingdom marketing and trying to get you to do things differently in there than you would anywhere else. And um, that's not You've got to respect the people and the culture, but you can't – you can't, um, you know, throw your business plan out the window and, and try to do things you wouldn't do elsewhere. And they're quite good at getting you to do that. Okay. Um, well, on tech companies, like, I mean, one is any tech company doing business in China should assume that its designs and products are being copied. Yeah. I mean, your your intellectual property is going to be stolen. There's no doubt about that. So... What you have to do, I know what the, a lot of the software companies do is they, they just continually update and upgrade their product and the Chinese pirates can't keep up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, other manufacturers of technology, what they do is they keep their crown jewels at home. Uh, they keep a, a component back um, or they, they will where they embed their key technology in a component that's not made in China.
1: Oh, it's like your grandmother's recipe where, you know, my grandmother's recipe for a potato salad, she didn't tell me about the beef bouillon, and mine <laughs> never tasted as good.
5: <laughs> you know, that's a pretty good way to put it. I never right. thought of that.
1: <laughs> I, my mother cracked the code on that one. She's like, it's the... It's beef bullion. So that's what you're saying. Do that in China with some little component of your recipe.
5: That's very good. Hold back the beef bullion. I, I yes. like that. Um, also, don't um, your, your legal contracts will not save you in China. It's it's the, the courts in China are better. The legal system is better. But there's still a political system. The, beside every judge, there is a, p- a party guy who really makes a decision. So if you're in a dispute in China, um, do your law, but do your politics at the same time so that the system is telling that judge to do the right thing.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things that I I noticed when we did ad tech in Shanghai, and you're on the board of advisors for us there, which was so helpful. You've connected us in a a million different ways. We opened the show with the local um, officials from the Shanghai Advertising Association, And they kicked off the show. Very different. I mean, Americans eschew politicians for the most part, where the Chinese rever them and fold them into every... The bureaucrats are a part and parcel of everything that happens, right?
5: Yes, they are. I mean, the the government has its fingers in everything you do, even though it's often a quite open market. Um, And a lot of that is done just to protect yourself. If you have the bureaucrats around and show them what you're doing and make friends of them, when you run into trouble, then, um, you know, they may, they may be on your side. In China, you have to anticipate problems and know that they're going to come and get ready for them, and that is make friends who can help you when, when, when the trouble comes down the pike.
1: Now, let me ask you a couple of, a couple of really specific tips or recommendations. A lot of the people that, uh, you know, ad tech started in the U.S. and our audience is U.S. And so we have marketers and agencies and publishers and research companies and tools vendors who are all now thinking, okay, I want to go check out China. I want to go see if there's an opportunity to establish a, a business relationship in China. How, what's the protocol for that? I mean, everything from how do you figure out who's who to how do you approach someone you might not know uh, do you do email? Do you have to call them? Are you should we be translating um, a, a word document into Chinese and then faxing it? How do we establish connectivity with the Asian market?
5: Well, you have to do it in a step-by-step manner. I mean, The problem with uh, many of our business people in the West is they're just too darn impatient. They want to go to China in three days or a week and do a deal and go home. Right. You, you really have to go step-by-step. You've got to make a number of trips. You've got to, you know, first off, figure out who's important in your industry in China. And you can do that often through the Internet or industry groups or, or even government help or U.S.-China Business Council, those kind of organizations. And then go have a series of meetings, and and both with uh, Western companies that are doing business there who you know or who are in a similar business, and the government and the Chinese companies, and just learn, peel back the layers of the onion step by step. That first trip will give you a lay of the land. What is the regulatory structure? Who could be possible partners or who is already there in your business? What is the market? And then you've got to start going deeper and that is going to be hiring somebody you trust who knows your business who can go over there and really kind of start digging down on who you talk to, what do you want to do and then make another trip and it's got to be a step-by-step process. The people that try to do the great leap forward in China, they try to do it very quickly, they throw a bunch of money at a problem. They might as well give their money to charity because it will go to a good cause. If you think you're going to, you know, get a partner, give them a bunch of money and go do business there, that, that's not going to happen.
1: Well, one of the things, too, that I noticed in setting up the Shanghai Show was that I would learn about someone, but if I sent them a blind email, often it would not be – I wouldn't get a response. But if I, ha- if I knew someone who knew that person – and they sent an email with an introduction, I would invariably get a response. Do you think that was just an unusual circumstance, or do you think that that's common?
5: Well, that's a good point. Um, No, you do have to... I'm doing a radio interview. (laughs) Yeah. They're your family. My daughter and her friends just came home. Um, So... Yes, email. there's you know a middleman knowing somebody who can uh, um, help introduce you to people. That's I mean I still do that. Yeah. I don't well, like to yeah, do any business common, yeah. blind where I don't know who I'm dealing with. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I do that. I mean you do that in the states too. I mean you can, sure you can send somebody a blind email and make connections here, but it's also often better to go through with somebody you know, somebody you've uh, who can introduce you to because then you you'll build up a a certain level of trust right away.
1: Yes, it's the beauty of LinkedIn, right? Yes. Figure out who you know that knows someone. And now we just need to get Asia to join LinkedIn and we'll be good.
5: Well, there are LinkedIn. There's a a few Chinese companies that have their versions of LinkedIn. And what are they? Oh, I know you're going to ask that. <laughs> I can't remember.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? If if I, mean, if I, I followed up with afterward long. via email, would you and you could remember? Then anyone could email us, and I could tell them, right? Yes. Okay, we'll do it that way.
5: Yes, Sorry because about that. that would be
1: great for us to join those kinds of things if we're starting to make those connections. Yes. Yep. And are there any kinds of American behaviors that we need to watch out for when we're dealing with China?
5: Yeah, naivety behavior? and impatience. Um, you know, we're impatient. We want to do things too quickly. We want to move too fast. uh, want to go in there and do a deal quick, as I said earlier. And the other is naivety. I mean, the Char- Americans are very... Um, good-natured and trusting and, and fair, and so they'll often go in and, and think that the person on the other side of the deal is just like them, and often that's not the case. This is a, a country that's coming out of a very difficult political culture and a, a lot of upheaval, and this is the gold rush, so I'm not saying there's not honest people there, but um, you have to understand the system and how it works, and you've got to trust but verify.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And what about uh, wining, dining, and meetings? What do we need to know about that?
5: Uh, meetings are meetings are often quite formal, especially if the government is involved, where you just kind of dance around each other and talk. Um, where you do get your really get your best work done if you're not close to somebody and you want to learn more is in banquets, where you can actually go and... Um, what I do at banquets is I'll have members of my staff very carefully seated around the table next to counterparts from the Chinese side who I believe would match them as, and then getting private exchanges going at the banquet where you really kind of find out what's going on, what, what does this entity really want to do, who's the real boss, who's the real decision maker, what are the political obstacles you know, on, that you would not be aware of and why they would want to do something or not do something. It gets very strategic.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good to know because oftentimes we think about a single person handling a meeting, but it sounds to me like it's better to go with a small group of people if you're trying to establish relations.
5: Well, and often the people you're meeting with are not the real decision makers. The real mm-hmm. decision maker is, is back in some office somewhere, the party guy, who's the, who may be nominally below this person in rank but is higher because they're the party person who makes the decisions. So you gotta really get the lay of the land on who, who is a real decision maker. And often it's not one decision maker because there's five or six people involved and you gotta get them all on your side and they all have their own agendas. So there's a lot of, you know, here, uh, as a comparison to the U.S., you know, sometimes the most talented people here are attorneys who can really maneuver through every legal loophole or, or, uh, um, um, statute, moving around different statutes, where in China the the most talented people are the people who can move people, who can operate relationships between people, can touch people from different points, um, different relationships, Um, because everything is very personal in China. It's, It's very personal doing business.
1: And how, how are you doing with your drinking these days, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know have you to said you, you had to learn a, how to hold your liquor. China.
5: When you're doing banquets in China yep. and uh, they're younger than you and, and Gan Bang, the White Lightning, Mao Tai, uh, make sure you have somebody young on your staff who can be the designated drinker. <laughs> I'm too old exactly. for that Exactly.
1: <laughs> so you take your sacrificial drinker with you.
5: Exactly. My uh, designated drinker, now, and you can always just... You know, pretend you got a disease that doesn't allow you to drink. And I guess this is another—you were talking about tips from the book. Another yep. one is, um, you know, food and fatigue and are our, our negotiating tools. And often after a long Mao tai soaked banquet, they'll try to start renegotiating or get you to sign the contract. And it's really—it's better to throw up on that contract and sign it at that point.
1: Got it. <laughs> And tell, tell us what the most delicious Chinese food is that Americans should try that we may not be familiar with here in the States, but that you now love and recommend.
5: Anything with Huajiao in it, anything What's that? with Sichuan Peppercorns, okay. which which are not hot peppers, they have a um, they just have this aromatic spice effect that is unlike any spice in the world. Uh, Sichuan peppercorns. So even really like kung pao chicken or there's many many Sichuan dishes that have it. Make sure you get ex- extra Sichuan peppercorns.
1: Okay. And how do you spell hua jiao? H
5: uh, u a j i a o. Good.
1: And how? And now I want you to speak a little bit of Mandarin. Forest. Just maybe say the name of your book. In Mandarin.
5: Oh. Or whatever she, you want. sure uh, eat a that's what's that about mean? It. Yeah. Shanghai yeah, What did you just say? I come to Shanghai and do business.
1: Uh-huh. Aha, yeah. And eat Sichuan peppercorns.
5: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I know we only have a few minutes left. I wanted to talk also about your other business, Black Ink China. First of all, where'd you get the name? And secondly, tell
5: us about it. Well, Black Ink China—the name, well, the name, in fact, was invented by my partners, and I'm not sure how they came up with it. But it's—I think it's uh, you know just a play on the word ink and, and uh you know incorporated in INK because uh, you know we're an online. We're, we basically are all about the media and internet and online. It's great. It's this partnership of people who've known each other for 15 years. Um, the the main partner, uh, who, the founder, Matt Cummins, was a Clipper for me in 1990 in Beijing. When when he was a language student. I was a Wall Street Journal bureau chief. Then <laughs> he went on to uh, working for Dow Jones, and then on to uh, being in the middle of the internet with business development at CNET for many years. And then Brad Bowers was with him at CNET. And then I brought in Matt Roberts, who worked with me at. Uh, Dow Jones in China and succeeded me as the uh, chief executive of Dow Jones and a woman named Frances Du, who's been Intel, Microsoft, a number of companies. And we um, we bring U.S. Internet companies into China. We raise money for Chinese Internet companies. We do M&A between the two um, and a variety of things along those lines. We've been in business for about, well, Black, Inc., U.S. has been in business for about two years, and Black, Ink China, about, well, not probably six, seven months now, and we're we're doing quite well. We're um, I can't really say our client list, but we've got a number of major companies we're bringing in. We sold an interactive ad agency in Shanghai about six weeks ago to a Canadian firm, and uh, we're raising money for a, a search engine out of Tianjin um, and a several other companies. So it's it's fun. I did venture capital during the dot com boom in China, and then I went off and spent three years on this book, and now I'm, you know, it's bring me back into the venture world and the internet and the venture capital world, and that's I that's where I like to play in China. It's uh, young, bright people making you know quick decisions, and uh, this time around the people are a lot more experienced, and the VCs are a lot more sober, and um, and they're building really good companies.
1: Well, I hope that anyone who's interested in doing business in China will give you a call. As a matter of fact, we should probably. Um Give out your URL.
5: Uh yeah, it's uh uh Black uh, Inc. B L A C K I N C China C-H-I-N-I dot, dot Black
1: Perfect. And Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Enjoy your family this afternoon, and we'll see you in April at AdTech.
5: I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Jim. All
1: right. Have see a great later. day, and thanks, everyone, for listening tuning in to AdTech Connect today. We'll see you next week at noon Eastern Standard on Thursday.
3: Radio, playing you the hottest hit. others follow this is webmaster radio playing you the hottest hits and bringing you the hottest b2b talk